Welcome to The Passion Factor, pursuing a career in human rights in conjunction with Human Rights Pulse. My name is Vicky Praise. Maya Foa is the Joint Executive Director at the London-based human rights charity Reprieve, where she leads a team of lawyers fighting against grave human rights abuses. I met Maya when I was a human rights advisor at the Foreign Office, and our paths have crossed a bit since then. For those who don't know Reprieve, they work to save lives of people on death row and help to secure justice for victims of abusive counter-terrorism practices around the world. Maya has conducted extensive advocacy before governments of Europe, the United States and regional and international bodies and has served as an expert advisor to the European Commission. Maya has been recognized for her work internationally and in 2019 was selected as a World Economic Forum Young Leader and in 2015 was awarded a Soros Justice Fellowship for her pioneering work on the death penalty. She is a frequent voice and commentator in the media. Maya studied French and Italian literature at Oxford University and did a postgraduate degree in law. We will, I'm sure, hear more from Maya about her interesting career. But for now, Maya, welcome to The Passion Factor, pursuing a career in human rights. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. So the first question I always ask our guest is, where did it all start in terms of your human rights career? What motivated you to work in the human rights field? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think I could give a sort of, um, you know, the, the correct interview answer, uh, or I can give a more honest answer. And I think I'll go with the more honest one, which is that I didn't know I wanted to work in human rights. I think I was just a person who, you know, cared deeply about certain issues. And, and I say cared, it's not a highfalutin care thing. I, I Things as a child and growing up in, in a relatively politicized environment, certain things made me angry and certain things I was confused by in the world. And I knew that I didn't like abuse of power. And I knew that I wanted to change something to be able to affect change. But I certainly didn't think that I would end up doing, in fact, I rejected law. I didn't think I would do law. And I don't think I really had a concept of human rights as a practice prior to ending up in a human rights charity. And I kind of set out a little bit of your kind of career history today, but, but what has been your own career path to date? So I started um, actually with the idea that I would be a theatre director. And I did do that for a little while after university. I had studied, as you mentioned, French and Italian literature. I had and still have a passion for the arts and its ability or the, the ability of really great art to be revolutionary, to really change the way people view the world and uh, experience the world and the issues that we care about. So I traveled a lot, did um, a lot of uh, theater and university and, and writing and left and worked with a few different companies in various different roles and then directed a couple of things. Uh, and at a certain point realized that this wasn't where I wanted to be or, or, or how I wanted to interact with the issues that I cared about. And I think I, I had a bit of a, I suppose a career shift or a crisis um, that related also to my life, where I was in my life. I had 
had a bereavement a couple of years before and it, I think it takes a little while sometimes to realize uh, the impacts of those things. But I stopped after having finished one show, I stopped and wondered what I was going to do to find meaning given that the area that I had been in for a while wasn't giving me what I needed um, and I didn't want to stay in that field, which I love and adore and hugely respect those who are in it. Um, but I didn't want to stay there if it wasn't wasn't right for me. So I wrote to a couple of charities and Reprieve was one of them. And there was another one that did microfinance for women in Africa, um, with women in Africa. And both said, you know, come try it, come, come hang out with us, see what it's like. Uh, work for free, <laughs> yeah. I think at the time. And I ended up starting at Reprieve and, and, and very quickly started working on the project that I have spent now in mm-hmm. the years of my life on. Yeah, that's a really interesting shift from kind of going to the arts into the human rights world, really kind of making that move. Yeah. So, not, not, not philosophically or, or, no. or even, I think, strategically so different, lots of transferable. Yeah, no, definitely so. I mean, you can, you can for, for sure, there are skills that you pick up in that world that you can take into the human rights world, without a doubt. Um, and that kind of neatly brings me on to my sort of next kind of round of questions around sort of breaking into the sector, because we both know how very hard it is. And so what skills and qualities do you think you need to work in the human rights field? You know, I, I don't like the idea, and I don't mean to start with a negative, but I don't like the idea of the, the, the hero human rights lawyer or the hero human rights activist or the campaign. You know, it's not about the abstract concept or the elevated notions of, of, of human rights. For me, um, I think it's figuring out, you, you started by mentioning passion, figuring out what you really care about. What are the issues that matter to you? Because you will be dedicating a lot of yourself uh, to those issues. Um, for me, it suits me so well to do this work because I get to focus in on things that I really care about and use my skills in a way that I think can have an impact. Uh, I like to be useful and stimulated and I get to be both. So really knowing yourself and thinking about what it is that you're trying to get from your career or how you want to use yourself best in life rather than you know I want to be this human rights lawyer I want to be this human rights activist I it's 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 less of the I actually more about you know the 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 impact where do you want to see your usefulness uh having an impact in the world yeah absolutely I mean when I'm talking to young professionals I always sort of say to them start think well where is your passion that's kind of the reason why called this podcast series the passion factor you know what drives you where does your heart lie and work from there or start from there because this work is so tough and very confronting and so we need to care deeply about what we do um for for many young professionals they have this dilemma they leave um university they've done their undergraduate degree and a big question arises should they do a master's of some description um, will that assist them? Will that help them in terms of the next steps? Um, and it's a difficult one, um, but it would be really interesting to, to sort of have your thoughts on that. Is it, is it critical for a career in human rights? And I say that in a very broad umbrella way, lots of different bits of human rights. Um, I wouldn't say it's critical. Uh, I also 
don't have any critique of it. When I look at, and we have lots of roles that open up and I, I end up looking at a lot of CVs and a lot of covering letters. And I mm. am much more interesting in, uh, interested in understanding the narrative, the story, you know, how has the person ended up writing this letter and drafting this CV, including their CV for a role at Reprieve and, mm. and, and, and what did they get from each element of their experience? So the experience, you know, it could be a master's, it could be field work, it could be the first job that they did waitressing somewhere. It, it's really actually, an, or it could be what they read uh, in their spare time when they were, you know, in an X place. I, I'm not prescriptive. That's not to say that everybody in the sector thinks the same way, but for us at Reprieve, it's much more, you know, you do need to have skills and aptitudes I don't know that you would get those from a master's project, though you learn a lot of interesting things, um, but it's really what you're bringing as a person who is the sum of the mm -hmm. education, but that might not be formal, but and the experiences that they've had. That's really helpful. And, and it kind of neatly brings me on to the, to the next question. Now, you, you said that you sort of sat on, on the side of being the recruiter and, and I'm sure have seen many, many CVs many cover letters and and to you what what makes a good quote unquote human rights cv and i use that in a very broad thing and and a good cover letter because i'm sure you get inundated with applications so how does somebody stand out or how can they stand out and this is really important advice for young people i think again speaking from my experience and what i look for it's really engagement you know i know people have to write a lot of covering letters or, or maybe applying for a lot of jobs but there is so much value in taking the time to tailor and to show that you have thought about the role that the potential employer is recruiting for and how you yourself would fit that and, and what you think about the organization, which doesn't mean you need to be sycophantic at all. It means you show that you have critically engaged with the topics. I mean, if, if you're writing to a politically, uh, you know, and I, I don't mean party political, but a sort of political leaning legal NGO, human rights organization, mm -hmm. you, you want to show that you are able to engage with tough themes or, or themes that are at the heart of the work that, that that organization does. If you haven't shown that you have the flexibility of mind and the interest level and the, to, to properly interrogate the role, I, I'm not sure many people would then think this person is a standout. Yeah, that's really, really good advice because it's 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 difficult to craft that in, in a page, a page and a half, you know, just to kind of put that all together there. But I think there are ways and means that you can show your engagement and show your, your passion for the job, the organisation and through your CV as well. And sort of closely aligned to that, um, and, and we know this kind of in the, both in the sector that we're, that we're in, um, is the importance and value of networking. Um, and I'm often sort of telling young professionals that, you know, start, start that networking piece off early. And I know it feels counterintuitive to many people to do that, particularly at an early age. But what would you sort of say about networking and, and indeed where and how has it assisted you in terms of your own professional life and world? <laughs> Very difficult to advise people to network during COVID lockdown, isn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, with it sit on the, sit on the screens. But yeah, you can still try and do it. Yeah, <laughs> right, and I'm not uh, not in any way defeatist. I'm really lucky in that I am 
extroverted by nature. I really love meeting people and being with new people and exploring ideas. And so, you know, networking for me is not a professional um, goal or, or activity. It's, it's the fun social part of the work that I get to do when I do get to travel and meet people and, and spend time with um, really interesting folks doing fascinating work. I didn't have networks in this field before I started working at Reprieve. So I wouldn't say you have to be networked and you have to be shiny and at these specific events and have gone to the specific, you know, law school or whatever, certainly not in my experience. I think if you do identify an organization that you're interested in and a person or people, in my experience, people have been really generous and by that you know colleagues of mine I also would very often have a coffee with somebody who has reached out because they have seen a connection and and want to I think you can certainly write to folks who you think are in in roles that are roles you might like to have at some point in your career um be respectful of their time and just acknowledge that they probably are really really busy but you can do a you know, half hour chat or even a, yeah, and get quite a lot out of that, I think. And if there are opportunities to, to get some experience working in the field or doing something where you get to interact with the organization that you might be interested in, that's always helpful. Short-term opportunities come up as well, even if you want the long-term opportunity, but you know, don't miss the chance to get your face in front of the people who are ultimately going to be the decision makers for the long-term opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely support what you say about having that kind of 30-minute call with somebody. And I think somehow COVID has lent itself to that, actually. People are more open mm. to, to people approaching them. I don't know whether they're kind of bored at home or if the people they live with, but they're happy to have people approach them. And, and I think, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of value in just having a call with somebody and saying, look, what was your own career journey? How did you get to where you got to? And people will generally be giving and, and, and share their story, I think. So, um, and the last thing that you just mentioned there, sort of taking that one step further about sort of undertaking voluntary and pro bono opportunities as a first step, the, the value of that. Yeah, it, it's, it's tricky. I mean, we don't any longer have a volunteer program at Reprieve because it didn't feel fair uh, in that people could afford to do that and some people couldn't uh, but there are schemes whereby we have funded placements um, via various different yeah, schemes and mechanisms um, short-term consultancies exist we have a skills bank for example where people can say you know I have these sets of skills so and pro bono of course if you are already practicing or you are engaged elsewhere and you're able to give up some time pro bono, but you are separately funded. That's uh, obviously an advantage to organizations, which are after all charities. So they rely on in-kind support. So, so sort of moving on to sort of your, your day-to-day life, and we're recording this in the midst of the pandemic, so we can't really go very far, but what is a sort of typical day in, in your role as uh, at Reprieve? Mm, don't think there is a typical day no. um, I was doing I, I used to do a lot of travel so there was 
any typical day. I could be on any number of time zones. We are an international organization. So um, I have, yeah, colleagues in lots of parts of the world. So do um, either go and meet with them in person and do work in country, or I am at the moment spending a lot of time at my desk over there. Uh, talking to people about things it, it's extremely diverse um i have client calls i you know I, I still do a lot of client work as well as the management of the organization which is very meaningful to me um though i will fully endorse the importance of really good structures in this domain in the charity domain because the because because it's uh, an area which isn't always given us enough emphasis. And if you have good structures and a healthy organization, you can just do so much more good. So um, I spend time on client work. I spend time drafting and reviewing things. This week I've done a few speaking engagements. Um, I have managees, so I have uh, spent time with them. Uh, we have strategy meetings, calls. We've got a bunch of you know, death penalty cases in Arizona, detention cases in Syria, uh, legal cases in the UK. Um, any day we'll have, have a whole host of different issues. And for me, it really suits me to have that diversity of stimuli. I don't know that everybody loves that. And again, it's not, you know, there's no bravado there, you know, knowing what you, what suits you and what you enjoy and what feels like too much is also important to go through that process because that will help you orientate yourself you might want to be in a human rights organization but you might actually find that doing client work or um you know other aspects of it is really draining and too you know yeah tough in different ways because it impacts you but there might be other roles within that organization where your skills can be put to amazingly valuable use and you can sustain the work you know that, that can be really really important for your impacted communities mm -hmm. yeah so it's so never a quiet day more or less <laughs> um and, and sort of thinking back through your career and you know you've done some fantastic things and, and and important things what would you say has been the highlight or highlights of your career <laughs> oh i don't i don't i don't i think that's, that's a difficult one <laughs> it's very hard because there's so much you know yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, when you have successes in cases that you've been working on for a long time, that's huge. Um, the people are amazing, clients as well as the teams, building the organization, getting to a point where I think it's doing so much so well is um, such a wonderful privilege. Um, yeah, there are lots of highlights. There are highlights week by week, good ideas are, you know, being able to think, oh, I've got, I've cracked it. I figured out how to do X and, uh, or working with a group of people where they've come up with a, a great idea, all of that's um, a joy. Now it's a really good sector to be in. When things are, when, if you're in the right place, and you're in a healthy organization, doing the thing you should be doing, it's highlights are very easy to identify. <laughs> Although I said, I can't give you one or two. There are too many, but they come fast uh, and yeah and equally I suppose the sort of flip side of, of that is you know have you faced setbacks and challenges in your career sort of as you've gone along your path yeah yeah absolutely um 
challenges, uh, you know, there are challenges in lots of areas of the work. It's a really challenging domain to work on death penalty cases, on uh, issues relating to counterterrorism and the abusive practices that sit hand in hand with government approaches to it. So, um, but those challenges I think are part of the work and I am a, some might say blinkered optimist and I, I, we do win more than we lose and in this domain, which is challenging to win more than you lose is a kind of wonderful, when the metric is really about humans and, and lives, that's a wonderful position to be in. Um, setback wise, obviously uh, things, when things like executions happen, that's, it's, um, you know, really, yeah, it, it's uh, extremely difficult and sad and um, makes people angry and rightly so. So there are, there are things that go wrong um, but I don't, I wouldn't view those as setbacks in terms of the organization or my career um, because, because we have to acknowledge that we are not, I started by saying, you know, I don't approve of the human rights savior. Um, mm -hmm. We can't, we, we will not be able to save quote unquote, everyone and win everything and that would be that's a really problematic way to think so if you manage your own expectations and you know your limitations you're not making yourself into some superhero but you are saying I have a fantastic team I have a great strategy I know a good idea and I know how to implement it and I'm in a position to be able to do that creatively effectively you know and then I know because I've had the experience of doing this for long enough that there are limits to what we're going to be able to achieve but I can identify the the achievable things and then you know again if if you're weighed in favor of winning more than you lose you are already just so fortunate actually mm -hmm. I think I share with you that that concept of blind faith because of blind optimism rather because you know we we need to have that in this work otherwise <laughs> we won't get very far um and sort of a, a allied to that a little bit um is the kind of concept of, of mentorship and having a mentor as you kind of travel on your your human rights journey and again for young professionals I think that's really important um, and you know we can have mentors at different stages of our professional lives and for different things so I just would be interested to know what your sort of thoughts are around that. No it's uh, hugely important um, yeah people it's sort of all about the people, human rights, right? And so the people who you work with are gonna be the ones who, and who inspire you and who perhaps mentor you are forging the way and they're helping you along the path. So I have had, you know, I don't know if, if, if they would necessarily all know they were mentors, but you, um, and I still do, you know, you, you, you look at people and the way they operate and things that you think are fantastic. Um and sort of something that we we've touched on sort of through through our chat is is the kind of the lifestyle and as you said there you know the, the work is hard the work is difficult and and we can't save everybody so um we know it's tough so how how can we as as sort of human rights professionals look after ourselves and that kind of challenge around self-care which is something that 
it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to manage I think well just having the conversation about it is important we have tried as an organization to improve the way we are you know the health of the organization and 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 the way we think about the work and the space we put between you know the, the space we taking time and space to reflect on the emotional impact as well as just doing the work that's been something that we've learned um from working closely with a clinical psychologist who is fantastic uh, i think having people supporting organizations who do this work is really important because they remind you of the dynamics of the of, of, of the processes that are going on underneath the surface of the work and it might be internal or it might be external or it might be our response to the external so just becoming a little bit literate in some of that uh, is I think very important because otherwise what especially if you're in a leadership role within an organization but at, at, within any role you can bring this awareness to it and the reason it's important is that otherwise what can happen is people are working very very hard and then there are these difficult very challenging things happening externally in the world that we are either trying to fight or it's the context in which we're operating trying to do a particular uh, yeah, piece of work and you can, without realizing it, be absorbing quite a lot of that hostile, difficult, um, you know, abusive sometimes uh, situation that is external and you're absorbing it and not recognizing it and it is having an impact on, on you and then your relationships, personal relationships, relationships with colleagues. And, you know, that is a phenomenon that, that, that is well known um, in you know. psychologists. And I think if we as organizations and individuals are, alive to our own reactions and create the space and time to talk about tough things that are happening in the work together to stop and talk about it where it's not just strategizing, which we do a lot of, but feeling, you know, I had to learn to create those circles and spaces in which we would do that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, for sure that conversation is starting now in our sector and in a, in a very meaningful way actually um, because there's been cases that have, have come into our sector which is you know not not great in terms of exposing the the um the the, the stresses and the, and the difficulties that we're under um and it's great to hear that your organization at reprieve has kind of availed itself of the services of a clinical psychologist to help um and i know other organizations are doing similar so it's it's Good to hear that. Um, so bringing this kind of chat to a close, um, really, I suppose my, my kind of question is what, what sort of final pearls of wisdom, if people still feel that the human rights world is for them and it's where their heart lies, what would be the final sort of pieces of advice that you can offer to anyone who would like to work in the sector? I mean, definitely do it because it's a great sector um, and we need excellent people whose hearts and passions are there and want to do this. Um, it's hard and I don't mean it's hard as in the work's hard, it's challenging to break in, I, I get that. I think you have to have a, some humility about it. Uh, know that these are organizations um, where they are, yeah, whether where people have been working very hard on those issues for a long time and you 
may have a lot of potential, but if you're starting off in your career, know that there's a lot, a lot to learn. Um, and, you know, for me, I started knowing nothing and I'm a person who really loves learning and was very happy to sit in the corner of an office quietly. You know, it was, I would stay late when the lights would go off and I'd just be sitting there in the dark doing, you know, this investigation work and trying to learn. And that was really wonderful and suited me and also meant that what I, I didn't have a mismatch between my expectations of, you know, yeah, where I felt I ought to be and, and then what I was doing. So be open to different opportunities, be human. Um, um, and, and try different things and see what, what works for you. Because you probably, I didn't know, you, you might think you know, but it is all different in practice. So I think that's... Thank you. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's great advice. Uh, you know, you might not know quite where in the human rights world you fit. So try a few different areas and see where, where your passion takes you, where your heart takes you, I think. So if people want to know more about you or, or kind of connect with you, what's the, the best way that they can... <laughs> I don't want you to be inundated with people, but if they want about Reprieve, so. Well, um, Reprieve, please do sign up to our mailing list at Reprieve and learn more about the works. I think there's only one MyFR out there, so it should be quite easy yeah. to find. I do, I am interested to hear from people who are starting off in their career so people can feel free. So. Thank you so much for just being so open and sharing and, and, and sort of talking about your own journey and offering some really great advice to, to young professionals who I know will appreciate it. Pleasure. Lovely to talk with you. Thanks for listening to The Passion Factor, pursuing a career in human rights. Until the next time. Mm-hmm.